Hello and welcome to the Pure Football Podcast, the podcast that brings you the stories, tactics, stats and rumours about football in Scotland and beyond. By fans and for fans. And this is just your normal flagship episode. We've had a lot of transfer episodes in the last few weeks and I hope you've enjoyed them and there's still a few more to come, as well as some special guest interviews that we've got lined up. But for now, I'm joined with my normal co-host, Owen. Owen, how are you? Hey, I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Thank you. Doing good. Um, So it's uh, been a busy window so far in Scottish football. Um, There's been loads of stories flying about. There's been the usual, um, you know, ridiculous rumours. There's been the all the good things that we like to see with the January window, such as Oliver Giroud to Rangers, which is my favourite so far. Um, He would probably be the most handsome man in the Scottish Premiership, right, if he was to come. So for that reason alone, Rangers should sign him. No other reason. (laughs) That's fair, yeah. He would certainly trump Glenn Murray um, if Glenn (laughs) Murray had gone to Celtic, if the the battle over the league title would be settled on looks. Um, And yes... We've we've upped our game. We've moved away from here now to just general appearance. So, uh, Giroud, if you could do us a favour, that would be great. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been a, a, an interesting transfer window. And, and as we speak, it looks like Celtic are close to securing um, a new signing today. Um, with it, the... Oh, struggling to get my words out. <laughs> with the announcement expected for a Polish under-21 I'm not even sure how you pronounce his name. This is normally your... Give it a go. Give it a go. Let's hear uh, uh, I'm going to say Patrick Klimala. Just as simple as that. I don't think there's think... any um, yeah, mad accents are in there. I don't know a lot about this guy, but it will be interesting to see um, how he gets on if he does uh, sign for Celtic. It looks like he's in Glasgow, so it looks like that's pretty likely to actually be happening. Um, and it looks like you know he's capped at uh, kind of unders level for Poland and, and has a a reasonable um, kind of goal-scoring record for some of the teams that he's played at um, throughout his uh, last couple of seasons in the Polish leagues. Yeah, so he's coming from uh, Jagalonia Balealstok. Uh, that was as good a pronunciation as you're getting from me on that one. Um, and what's rumoured to be a €3.5 million Euro deal. Um, so from what I gathered, he's a, a striker, which I guess, first of all, just to talk about this one, what do you think that's something that Celtic needed to address? Well, I guess they think they do. I mean, we clearly saw that there were issues for them when Edward was out. Um, I don't think that... Um, well, it seems as though Lennon maybe doesn't fully kind of um, think that Griffiths is, is back and hitting it yet. We'll, we'll see if that maybe changes after the kind of you know winter break and their Dubai trip and so on. Um, it also seems like Bio, um, as you know, we've talked about this before, that you know he's maybe not necessarily of the level needed yet he's also had some time out with injuries and so on which is you know cutting to things and Celtic are just an entirely different prospect when they don't have Edward um that you know uh, leading the line for them so I, I guess they might think that they need um another option at the top of the, the pitch it gets very very congested then you, you need to you know obviously then there's ramifications questions to be asked about what, what does that mean for bio what does that mean for Griffiths um we'll wait and see um i I don't necessarily know if I think that centre-forward would have been the position that I would have classed as a priority for them, but I guess that really depends on how they feel about Bio and Griffiths and, and whether they think they can be you know, um, a starter. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think the congestion at Celtic is, is, it seems really strange. I know obviously Scott Sinclair's left and Lewis Morgan's left, um, which, you know, those are wider players, and uh, bringing in 
Kamala is, is a different position, but I just I just feel a little bit like, what's the Celtic strategy? I don't really get it just now. It just feels a little bit, you know. Well, just I mean, he's pretty young, you know, so maybe he can be the eventual replacement for um, Edward. And, and they're going to kind of phase him in over these six months so that if Edward leaves in the summer, he's kind of ready to go. That might be a way to look at it. Um, didn't you know, we, I don't know. Didn't we see that story with Shved? Um, with, with, with Bio, who was maybe going to be the kind of replacement for Edward. I, I think the... Well, it, it looks like maybe Shved will get his opportunity now. Um, you know, he was in the, the training camp in Dubai for their winter break and Sinclair's out of the way. Um, Morgan's presumably out of the way as well and, and Mikey Johnston um, has had his time interrupted at times with injuries so this might be um, Arzani and Shved um, down the kind of home straight for Celtic in those positions Yeah I guess that does make sense I, I've read quite a lot about um, some speculation about Lennon's wanting to move to a 3-5-2 and we did see Celtic play it a few times so I guess uh, Kamala could, you know, be the the second striker with Edward. That makes sense, and maybe that's why they're phasing out some of these wingers like Sinclair and Morgan. Interesting. Uh, so that'll Wait be one to, to look out for. Um, sure. So the other bit, just a little bit, whilst we're talking transfer speculation, before we get into some other deals uh, relating to Celtic, is uh, Ismailia Soro from Ben yeah. Yehuda in Israel. From what I gather, his his data looks pretty good. Um, I think um, from speaking to one analyst, he says that he looks like a, a top prospect um, that could make an immediate impact. Um, mm. Okay. So I'm, I'm quite interested to see how that one goes. And it looks like he does a lot of the Scott Brown things. Uh, I, I thought, um, yeah, it, it seemed to me that he might be, you know, potentially a, a long-term replacement for Scott Brown. Um, I think it was interesting, we, we've spoken about this position for a long time um, and we've also spoken about the idea that maybe Celtic could try and find somebody who's um, a little bit more two-way than Scott Brown, um, than, than mm-hmm. Scott Brown is now, um, so somebody who can, you know, a very modern midfielder who can both win the ball back and shield the defence but also maybe um, break the lines, evade the press and things like that. Um, Jose Suifuentes, who was one of those prospects for Celtic yep. and were heavily linked with, he's now signed for Los Angeles uh, FC. So, you know, that one's gone. Um, I think he would have been an excellent pickup. Um, I don't know anything about um, Ismael Asoro's data, um, but I did watch uh, some clips of him. Um, he looks pretty exciting, um, like the sort of player I like, uh, somebody who is pretty calm in possession, can receive it from the defence, can break up play with a tackle, but also his dribbling looks really good. Like if he kind of evades the, the first line of the press, um, then he's somebody that can carry the ball um, forward up the pitch and draw players into him. And, and you know, that will be a positive, I think, for a team like Celtic that face, you know, a low block often and, and getting through that first line of the press and, and drawing teams out, um, individuals and, and making space and stuff is, is really important. So he would maybe add both a bit of um, cam at the back, you know, a kind of presence and, and kind of uh, ball player, but also mm-hmm. had a bit of chaos in terms of bringing things forward and kind of provoking a reaction from the opposition. Looked good to me. Yeah, I think that that's, if they can get that deal done, that that move seems like it could be really interesting. I guess to move to the other side of Glasgow as a natural progression, um, Rangers have been pretty quiet, but we have seen uh, Eros Gresda, move on, and uh, shock horror and Andy King's loan deal not working out. Um, well, it wasn't like we were saying that was a terrible move from the start. Um, but, yeah. Well, so that, what... that valuable experience that he passed on in uh, two months or three months or whatever <laughs> of doing 
presumably from the outside looking in, not very much at all. Um, yeah, so um, I, I was thinking about Rangers today, and, and I'm a little bit surprised there hasn't been a little bit more um, gossip about them making some moves. And, and this month, I would have thought, I mean, the titles there potentially for the taking. This is a you know a really big opportunity for them. Um, I think maybe people would say Gerard has slightly surpassed expectations in terms of tactics and and you know how he's got things together. Um, and they've they've got Ross Wilson in now, and and uh, you know as we've you know talked about previously, a lot of the kind of word around that has been about this is kind of partly clear out time, get rid of some dead wood and it looks like moves are happening to that effect with Gresden's on, but I just thought they might want to um, you know, make some moves um, I think that there's a space and, and Gerard has maybe hinted about this by some of his comments about how people did in the um, the friendlies in Dubai in their uh, winter break as well, he was quite critical of how some of the players on the fringes maybe didn't take their their chance and I, and I guess I think an attacking midfielder some sort of kind of you know um, somebody that can add a little bit more for them and and you know be a real threat might might be an interesting thing if they could pick up. Yeah, I th- I think you're probably right with that. I think what what Rain, you mentioned the word chaos uh, as an example for um, describing Soro. I think that's something that Rangers maybe miss a little bit at times yep. from the midfield. I think their moves are very uh, it's very about pattern of play. It's very you know, you can see these are things that they try on the training ground, mm-hmm. and you. I know that obviously, you know, Morelos will will give you that chaos um, from a a striker perspective, but maybe from the midfield, that is something that they they would need to address. Um, and you're right, maybe there is um, it is a little bit surprising that the the, the um, there's not been much happening in terms of names with Rangers so far. Other than the complete nonsense of Oliver Giroud, um, <laughs> I did read. Um, I mean, I guess the other thing that you, they might be considering is a, a sort of long-term replacement for Alfredo Morelos. Ideally, with the goal of not selling him now, but you know, bringing in somebody in January. Um, I think they're a bit light up front, really. I mean, mm-hmm. if something was to happen to Morelos, if you know he gets an injury, another suspension, or anything. Um, I mean, you know, my feelings on Defoe and and how despite the goal-scoring record, he's maybe not the best option to have as a starter against some of the teams that they'd be playing. So, you know, that that third striker spot, but the third striker spot with it being the idea that that person becomes maybe the starter in summer when Morelos mm-hmm. is potentially sold, I think that's the other thing that they could um, consider. There's um, Football Stewart, um, formerly SPFL Radar on Twitter, um, on his Patreon, he's done a little bit of league and scouting um, with that kind of goal in mind. And the, the first player he came up with was uh, Seru Guirassi, who is a person that I featured in an article um, on Pure Football, I, I don't know, in the summer of 2018, mm-hmm. as a potential replacement for Moussa Dembele or Alfredo Morelos when it came to it. So um, he, he's looking in the right places, fair play to him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that kind of person, uh, somebody with a high upside who might not necessarily need to be a starter for you know the, the remainder of this season, if you could get them now, that that might be something else for for Rangers to think about. But I definitely think that element of chaos, that kind of you know a real high quality person um, in attacking midfield, and that one could even I mean there'll be people available out there potentially as a loan for that kind of position. You know, people without minutes, um, maybe people with their eye on playing at the Euros and stuff. Mm-hmm. Never know what you could get. Um, so that that would be the kind of thing I think they should be thinking about. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty fair uh, analysis of Rangers so far. So there's just a couple other quick moves mm. that have happened so far that I want to get your take on. Um, so first of all, I, this is relating to 
two teams um, that could find themselves uh, in bother, potentially. Um, so, first of all, Hamilton losing Luke Southwood. Um, yeah. That seemed like a bit of a blow because I think their their form uh, or their performances certainly turned around when he took over from Owen Fawn Williams. Um, he looked like he was he was doing pretty well. Were you? What was your thoughts on him? And do you think well, that that's something that Hamilton will need to address? Kind of hearing that that might just be temporary and he might be way, making his way back um, to Hamilton. That's just been a a, a recall. Um, it maybe who knows? Maybe he's going to be asked to sign another contract. That can happen to players before they're then allowed out on loan again. Um, so fingers crossed for Hamilton. I think that they get him back um, this month because yeah, he's been a for me a big upgrade over what they had previously. I, I like the look of him. I think statistically he's performed well. Um, it's a you know tough defence to play behind. You know difficult situation to be in, but he's looked more than capable as a shot stopper. Um, if they don't get him back, then they 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 really need something in place of him. I think that's that's a worry if they don't have him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that, and I think Hamilton are a club that I actually think should be a little bit more active than what they currently have been. Um, mm. They've also let Darian McKinnon go to Partick Thistle on loan, um, but the next move that I want to get your take on uh, one that's sort of fell in semi-controversial circumstances: the release of Glenn Whelan from Hearts. Mm. Well, um, I think it's surprising that he got released. Um, I, I think again. Probably, I would say that that's a deal that they should never have done. Um, I mean, I get, um, <laughs> you know my views on you know aging players generally, um, people at the kind of twilight of their career. He definitely doesn't suit Stendhal's style. I didn't think he actually even suited prior to that. He, he was not um, somebody that was capable of being played in the position that he was being played in at, at this age, I don't think. Um, I know that people have said that you know, I'm I'm wrong, and that you know he was still capable of playing at that level, and you know he's a Irish internationalist. Obviously, has had a, a great career, um, but yeah, not not somebody I rated at this stage in his career, um, based on you know how he was playing and the position he was playing in, um, and Stendhal looked, you know, we've we've kind of read all the things from Berra and Whelan and Daly and so on, criticizing his approach, and I do think that. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of seeing these things from both sides that the approach that Stendhal has taken to do so many things in this way is is, is risky, you know, obviously, um, in terms of how the rest of the dressing room will perceive you and, and so on. And um, But also, I think that he needs to make moves. You know, he needs to... They're, they're bottom of the table. They're in serious danger. Um, and he also maybe needs to exert his power, I don't necessarily mean over the people that he's got rid of, um, but over Levine, over McPhee, the people mm-hmm. are still there that, you know, Stendhal needs to show that it's his club now, um, that he's the person that makes the decisions in terms of the recruitment and so on. Um, so, yeah, and, and if, if Whelan wasn't going to be a fit, and he wasn't going to be a fit, and it was going to be a problem having him around because of, you know, his, his attitude and stuff, and it seems like despite uh, Whelan being a senior pro and, and being experienced and so on, it, it seems like potentially wasn't really that engaged with the club and, and with kind of, you know, um, being that sort of model pro. So, you know, um, no, no great loss, really, I would say, if, if you need to make that kind of decision. Yeah, I, t- I totally concur with that. I don't think Glenn Willem was a smart move for Hearts in the first place. And again, we'll, there'll be numerous uh, audio clips of 
both you and I about these sort of moves. So uh, not too much to add to that. Uh, they, need, they need to replace, though. That That's the thing I would yep, say for Hearts, that this is an absolutely critical window. Um, don't know what the situation is financially, really, and, and what you know they can do. Um, obviously, linked with a uh, young German forward, it looks like that might not actually be happening, but that was an interesting thing to kind of see them thinking about doing. Um, I think that they need... Um, Obviously, to look at centre back now, um, you know we've got Suter and Halkett, which I would imagine you'd want to be the starting pairing. But you know, there's been injury problems, particularly for Suter. So you know, they need somebody else in that can be a starting centre centre back if need be. Um, but I think they also need to look at midfield. I mean, they they would maybe see um, centre forward as a kind of frustrating area, given. Um, you know, lack of goals from Uchi and Naismith not being available and so on. But I think the likes of maybe Connor Washington, people like that, will maybe be relatively effective under Stendhal. Um, but I think it's it's midfield. You know, they're having to kind of plug Michael Smith in there at the moment. Um, I'm not sure if that's a, a kind of you know even a, a short term solution really. Um, they, they they need you know and and hearing you know might well be the kind of solution in that area. But is he fit? You know how long will it take him to get back to speed and stuff? Um, Irvin hopefully you know is he's somebody I like. Maybe he can step in, but he's very young still. Um, so yeah, I, I would imagine that Hearts should be. You know, trying and obviously it's going to be difficult at their bottom of the table. Um, might be difficult to attempt the sort of level that you want to come to them, but they, they need to get some business done. Need to, um, that squad has been massively. I don't even want to say underperforming because I, I don't necessarily think it's really that good a squad. There's lots of issues yeah. with it, but they, they've not been performing. They need they need some new parts. Yeah, uh, from what I gather, I think it was a case of. Hearts had to let go before they could bring any more in, which isn't a surprise when they had a big squad, um, but also a poor squad um, in terms of the the quality they had there. So yeah, I think um, from what I what I read, I think it was a case of uh, there had to be moves out before there could be moves in, and I guess maybe that's Too much why churn. they're probably paying people like Glenn Whelan, even if the wages aren't. Mm-hmm. A lot, you know, sign-on fees, stuff like that. The number of transfers that are coming in and out the door, you know, if you're repeatedly paying sign-on fees to people and stuff then, and you're not making any sales, you're perhaps thinking about potentially selling Hickey for, for some fee at some point, but wait, where is the... You're not making any revenue on any other players. Um, yeah. Ugh. Wait, so you're trying to say it was a bad move to let Craig Levine stay in the job that he wasn't doing very well? Mm, maybe. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's move on to Aberdeen then, who have brought in Dylan McGeoch, um from Sunderland uh, on a permanent deal, which was a two and a half year contract. What was your thoughts on that one, Owen? I guess that's a kind of one that's maybe been a, a quite a long time coming. Um, somebody that they've been linked with quite a while. Um, I do think that something else in midfield is good for them. Uh, they get sliced through way too easily. Um, I, I think you know we pointed to the fact that Bryson might not be a solution to that and also that he might not be available a lot given his injury history and his age and that's come to fruition. I think Funso Ojo um, needs some support in, in terms of things he's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm still not too sure about the the makeup of their midfield. Um, so I don't know what this is going to mean that they choose to do as a starting point. Hopefully it doesn't mean they cram like five fullbacks into midfield or something. <laughs> they actually have um, a plan from structure. But does, that, does this mean that um, Ferguson will be pushed further forward? I, I don't know. I'm not too sure if that's really a solution to their lack of creativity. Um, McGee can, can progress the ball. Um, he can he can do some uh, useful things, but I, I still think maybe something else. Um, I also think um, 
I think fullbacks a really big issue for Aberdeen, and I think that also affects the way that your midfield is, um, because of you know the amount of cover that your midfield has to do for them and so on. I think Shea Logan is well, he's probably older than Aberdeen realizes, um, and he's not that good and, and has been declining. And on the other side, well, if they're having Considine filling in, I know he's a club legend and so on, but he's pretty old, too old for, for in my view, for a modern day fullback as well now. So. I think they maybe need to consider those positions as well and how all these things fit in together. The, the other thing I was kind of curious about was, and, and uh, it's, it's obviously better than a one-year deal or whatever is normally handed out in Scottish football, but just two and a half years struck me as a wee bit strange. Um, Aberdeen have been hit previously with quite a lot of people leaving at the end of their contract, particularly in midfield, ironically mm-hmm. enough. You know, Shinny, McLean, um, yep. so on. And two and a half years m- means that, you know... Um, you don't have a long time to maybe convince the player to sign an extension. Um, you know, things can kind of creep up on you and stuff. I'm just, it's, he's not, you know, he's he's what, mid-20s, 26, something like that. It's just a bit curious to me that they didn't manage to get like a three-and-a-half-year deal, for instance. What yeah. Do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's a fair point. I wonder if, so McGeek has had quite a poor injury history himself. So I mm. wonder maybe if that's a little bit of protection from an Aberdeen point of view, considering the deal they gave Craig Bryson. Um, yeah, the thought that you know you you assess. I mean, that's what I'm well, for, right? And and so on. If if you're if you're scared about you know bringing somebody in and you give them a short term ish contract because of worries that they're going to get injured, surely you just maybe think, well, oh, is this actually the right deal for us overall? That that to me, that's a bit. Uh, if, if that's your if that's a potential rationale for for giving somebody a shorter deal, I, I say that's still too long then. You know, um, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I don't. I think uh, again, Scottish clubs in particular, there's a a lot of evidence of signing players with poor injury history. So you do question, you know, what thought goes into their medical history. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. I, I I can't really think of why else you would give them two and a half year deal other than maybe the player didn't want to sure. to, yep. to be tied down. I guess that's of the course. only other thing I can think of. Um, so there's just a couple of the moves that I just want to get your quick take on. I'm not sure how much you would have mm. seen or heard of these uh, players, but St Mirren have been quite active. They have a yeah. very small squad, so it was good to see them you know, trying to get uh, players brought in early. They brought in two players from uh, the Irish League, and Conor McCarthy and Jamie McGrath from Corksite and Dundalk, respectively. Uh, I can say I know absolutely nothing about either of those, but... Uh, 21-year-old centre-back and a 23-year-old left-winger. Uh, and they also brought in Akin Famewale from Norwich on a loan as well. Um, yep. So who's a, another centre-back uh, and said that he was sold on the move by Kenny McLean, which was quite good um, mm. to read. Um, again, I don't know much about these players, but I, I'm just quite happy that some men have been quite active. I quite like Jim Goodwin. I like some of the things they're doing. And if that means they can phase out... Um, Gary McKenzie uh, and Kurt Broadfoot, then I'm all for it. Sure. Uh, uh, similar to you, I have to admit, I don't know a great deal about these people. Obviously, I, I read the kind of press releases from St Mirren, but, you know, the, they're full of uh, gushing praise, as press <laughs> releases tend to be. But but certainly the detail that they said about uh, the young Irish guys was positive. 
same as you, I liked what uh, I like what Goodman says generally, and I liked what he said in those. He, he kind of spoke quite honestly about how this is an opportunity for these guys to develop, and and hopefully the end result is that they um, progress and develop, and they don't stay at St Mirren too long, you know, and and then everybody kind of profits from that. I, I thought that was quite a good um, kind of um, realistic and kind of positive way about looking at it and um, in terms of uh, the guy that's come from Norwich Akin Fenwo, well he's the captain for their under 23 team okay. um, which you know I, I don't know how meaningful that is really but it might suggest that he has some uh, respect there some you know leadership qualities and stuff um, he, he looks um, like in, in good physical shape I've not watched any clips of him yet but I'm quite excited to see um, these players for St Mirren as you said it's, it's good to see them getting some bodies in um, and um, kind of filling up some gaps that had appeared in their squad with like uh, McLaughlin um, going back to Hull and so on. So fair play to them. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess just before we move on to some other speculation that there's been going about, is there any team, so you mentioned you're a little bit surprised that Rangers haven't done more. Is there any team that you feel desperately need to start uh, getting bodies in or being a bit more active than they currently are? St Johnston. Um, so okay. St Johnston have done nothing, and 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 it seems as though they're not intending to do anything. Um, the thing that kind of made this stick out to me was the speculation about Matty Kennedy perhaps going um, to Hearts or Aberdeen. On he's out of contract in the summer, and they're both kind of interested in signing him up probably as a, a free agent for the summer. And and Tommy Wright um, came out and and kind of said, and I think there was a question put to him about you know what if they received a bid for Kennedy to move him on in January from these clubs. And um, he said that we, St. Johnston, are a well-run club. We don't need to sell. And and that kind of it worried me a little bit, given that St. Johnston have been stung with people leaving for nothing um, previously. And it might happen again with Xander Clark, and it might happen with Matty Kennedy here. And I'm not too sure how much you can say you're a well-run club if you're allowing that to happen to you so that, that was a bit strange to me and also I, I know that St Johnston have picked up lately you know and, and they've managed to get some really good run, results together which is you know absolutely credit to them but I still think that's a very thin squad and I still think that there's a, a lack of quality and they, they found it incredibly difficult in the summer to get in you know the type of player that they wanted but it just I was if I was them I would be a little bit worried about the inaction and um, it's very, very tight at the bottom of the table. You would imagine that Hearts um, can maybe only get better um, from here on out and, and maybe things will go well for Stendhal and they'll pick up a wee bit. Um, I think in the league, I mean, look, there's basically Rangers and Celtic as a top two. Then there's um, Aberdeen and Motherwell uh, chasing third place. And then below that, I, I fairly, I, I mean, obviously there's, there's point gaps and so on, but I think that below that, there's much of a muchness um, between a lot of teams, and that could mean that you know you can go on a bad run quite quickly. So if I was St Johnston, I, I would be thinking about can they make some moves um, to ensure that they don't get drawn into eleventh um, or twelfth. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, it's a very precarious position um, for St Johnston, also for you know Hamilton. I feel like need to be more active, and also Kilmarnock. Um, Kilmarnock have recalled a bunch of players on loan. Um, Greg Kilty. Um, being one of those, um, and uh, yeah, I just I, I worry that these teams are allowing themselves to get into sleepwalking um, into uh, into potential trouble with uh, lack of activity, lack of um, kind of being proactive. I think yeah, uh, and again, I wonder how much uh, these clubs actually, you know, what their scouting department actually looks like, how big it is, 
I read uh, something on Twitter um, from a couple of Hamilton fans um, when they brought in Andy Dales, um, who was at Dundee, um, and by all accounts wasn't particularly good at Dundee. Um, a lot of them were quite uh, dismayed that uh, Brian Rice made a big deal out of the contacts that he had um, and that he was going to change the sort of signing strategy for, for Hamilton and they've not really seen that uh, as of yet. So I I do worry how much of these clubs just rely on the manager having contacts or agents throwing players at them. I'm sure you're right have... that it's agent led, manager led, just through you know who they know and stuff, rather than a kind of uh, dedicated kind of team that's really thinking about what they need. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with you, Gam. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's a sort of quick roundup of the. Oh, it wasn't very quick. It was a twenty minute <laughs> roundup of uh, the moves that have happened so far in Scotland. Um, so it wouldn't be pure football if we didn't speculate. We absolutely love speculation. When I say we, I'm absolutely just speaking for myself. I live and breathe this stuff and read about four or five different websites a day just for my, my kick on uh, transfer speculation. So, oh, no, I want to just throw a couple of names at you and then just get your take on um, the player and the fit, etc. So the first one sure. I'm going to put at you is the rumours that on uh, Saturday, Nicky Hammond, the Celtic Sporting Director uh, or Head of Football Operations or Director of Football or whatever you want to call him, was at Furhill, uh so there's been two stories. There's been one that he was there to see Lawrence Shankland and the other was that he was scouting Partick Thistle for Celtic's upcoming Scottish Cup tie. Not too sure what one of those is more believable. Um, but yeah, talk to me about Shankland to Celtic. Okay. I mean, it could be true. He could have been there for both things. Maybe he just lives in the area and he just fancied going to it. Um, yeah, Shankland to Celtic then. Um, I think that that would probably be a bad move for both parties. Um, I think that, you know, we've, we've touched on already Celtic having that kind of congested um, centre-forward area. I, I, I really like Shankland. You know, I think that he he's not just a goal scorer. He's a pretty mobile guy. Um, I see him probably out of the two teams, more a potential fit for Rangers um, in terms of maybe his similarity to Morelos in some ways in, in terms of rolling people and, and kind of finding space and things. Um, but I just think, um, look, there's no way he'd be a starter for Celtic. Um, I think that this is a, a key time for Celtic to try and secure um, potentially nine in a row, potentially ten in a row. I think they're they're probably going to be thinking that that would be not necessarily the, the best fit for them in terms of somebody that might be at a level to get that, but also to play in Europe and things like that, which is obviously a, you know, a regular thing for them. I think for Shanklin himself... Um, I think you potentially ruin your career by doing this. Um, I think that in effect you probably end up being a third choice um, for maybe a season and a half. End up getting, you know, like, I don't know, less than a thousand minutes over the course of that time. Um, and then, you know, where, where do you end up after that? Well, your, your options are limited because people just think you've been you know, a failure, which I've already seen some Celtic fans saying about his time when he was, you know, all of 18 in, in a premiership. So you really need to kind of protect your... Um, your, your playing time and, and your reputation and stuff. So for me, for him, he, he needs to make sure that he goes somewhere that he can be a starter. Um, maybe the, the the championship down south, um, maybe League One, depending where he thinks that he can get a starting spot, but also get as much money as possible. Um, and I, I don't think that's Celtic. I don't think that's a fit for the player or for the club. Yeah, yeah I, I think I agree with that. Um, I think he really, really needs to pick wisely. I mean, he's on you know an incredible streak. You know, I think uh, the weekend... 
Um, that was him getting his third hat-trick of the season. He's got 22 goals in 19 league games. He's seven hat-tricks since the start of 2018. So there's no doubt that he can you know, score goals. And um, But yeah, maybe a wiser move than, than going to Celtic. What, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think that he should just go to the English Championship. I don't think he should go to Rangers or Celtic. Um, I think he needs to to prove himself um, that he can do it. I think the Scottish Premiership will be be there for him when he wants it to be there. Um, I think you know if he goes down south and he isn't a success, then there will be plenty of Scottish Premiership teams that would be willing to take a chance on him. Um, so yeah, I would. I think you know go to like a Bristol City. Uh, be the main guy, uh, and either prove that you're good enough for the next level, or you know you know that your ceiling is going to be in the, the Scottish Premiership. So that would be my sort of take on it. Okay, sure. so the 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 next move I've got for you is uh, Matty Kennedy to Hearts. What do you think of that? That came out today. Okay, I mean I think that's a reasonable move. Um, are you meaning for them to do that now, or to try and do it as a free well, agent in the well, summer? Let's say for to do it now. I don't think Hearts are in a position to wait. Okay, well, I think you know Hearts do need potentially kind of attacking wide players and so on. Um, Jake Mulroney's gone. Um, seems like Sean Clare is potentially going to be playing kind of right back and so on. Um, and the times I've watched um, Hearts play under Stendhal, um, they've. I mean, it, it does look to me that they need you know maybe more people who are capable of um, kind of going past the man and, and creating chances and so on. So that is potentially a reasonable fit. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure if I would be. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I I don't dislike Matty Kennedy. He's, he's fine. Um, I'm just not entirely sure that I would spend a lot of money on him, or not think that you could maybe find somebody um, maybe better. Um, but so it would really come down to what the value is. You know what you're actually being asked to pay for him and so on. Um, as a as a free agent for the summer uh, for depth, yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay, cool. I I don't disagree. I think Hearts. The only thing I think for Hearts is maybe known quantities might be um, mm-hmm. something that they, they look towards. Um, sure, yeah. You mean for right now to try and you know, yeah. have that kind of experience of the league and stuff? Yeah, that's that's not a bad point. Yep, absolutely. I, I also think um, there's also the thought of do you weaken a rival? And we've already that's spoken exactly. about you know St. Johnston's inability to... Sure identify players, etc. Mm. So maybe that's something that, that also crosses the mind. Uh, I think that's a good point. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, the other piece of speculation I've seen recently was Glenn Middleton is being linked with a, a loan move to Ross County. Okay. Hmm. Not seen that one at all. Does that seem like that's likely to happen? or? So I've seen a few different places saying that one. Um, and okay. he's, I don't see how he fits into the Rangers starting 11 so I would be very surprised if he didn't go back on loan uh-huh. um, obviously it didn't work out for him at Hibs but Ross County was the name that I seen mentioned for, for Middleton Okay, I mean he really needs I, well, I think that he you know, uh, I hope for him that he's able to make the next loan move a success. Um, I think it was a, sh- you know, maybe a shame that things didn't work out at Hibs and and that they've kind of uh, given up on it. Um, I thought there was some flashes of stuff I saw that was reasonable, but um, there was also, you know, some some mistakes in his play from the bits I seen. Um, I think. Um, yeah, would that work at Ross County? I, I don't know if that really fits him stylistically. The way that I mean, I, I know that at times they do play um, quite nice, kind of passing across the middle and stuff. But um, I, I I wonder whether 
they might get a little bit frustrated if he's not kind of delivering what they would expect him to. It's a tough time to go on loan in January, I think, because um, you know you, you're coming into somewhere where you know Ross County are potentially going to be in a relegation battle. There's people in effect, you know, fighting for literally, the, you know, their financial survival. You know, some you know pros there and so on that they might drop down to the championship and then maybe you know lose their um, their contracts. So you know it's it's a difficult environment to come into. There's a lot you know uh, you know if if you don't hit the ground running, um, then you know maybe the the dressing room can be a bit pissed off at you. Maybe the fans don't take to you and stuff. So I think you've got to be quite picky with your loan move um, if you're doing it this time. I'm I'm wondering if they're and and also the other thing we spoke about it before as well is. Um, part of what you're doing with your loan is putting yourself in the shop window um, and I don't know if there's anybody in Scotland that can really buy Glenn Middleton because Rangers presumably think that he's still you know, a reasonable prospect, somebody that's good enough to play in the Premiership uh, possibly, so they probably want more money than what most SPFL Premiership clubs could afford to spend in general or would want to spend on somebody who's relatively unproven so you know maybe you have to go to league one in england and, and that opens up the market for you a bit more if you manage to perform well there i'm not sure how well um you know like a buying club in england say in league one or something would trust the evidence of you having had a reasonably good loan spell at ross county after having a, a fairly poor loan spell in the same division at hibs you know, uh, does that convince them enough to buy you um, in the summer if that's that's the kind of next step for his career? So yeah, I, I maybe I'm a wee bit skeptical about the point of going to Ross County. I'd okay. say if you can get guarantee of minutes, you know, if you think there's something you're going to displace in the team and you'll definitely start, then you know maybe and then you maybe give it a good run. But um, you need to think about what 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 it's going to do for you. You know, what does it actually do long term? You know. Um, and and the risk of potentially if you don't hit the the ground running, does it end up and you're not actually getting many minutes? Yeah, so I, I totally agree. Again, I think as Middleton's at a pivotal point in his career where the next move um, will really, I think, make or break whether he has a future at Rangers. Um, so if it is to be alone, he needs to pick that very smartly. Um, do you so, think? I mean, and I know it's easy to say it in hindsight, but do you, do you think? the move to Hibs, do you think that's a level too high? Do you, do you think, I mean, mm. is it the fact that he's at Rangers that means that people think that he should be able to be um, a loanee in, in a premiership? Should he maybe have gone to the Scottish Championship or something? So that maybe, I guess there's a couple of things that I'm thinking of. I remember the game against CSK Moscow uh, last year where Middleton was, was one of Rangers' best players. They did lose the game 4-3, I think it was, mm-hmm. but Middleton had an absolute standing game. I think he scored and got an assist. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely a player in there mm-hmm. um, and he's done it on a, a few other occasions for Rangers but I, I get the point that you're making maybe you know if he was to go to a, a Dundee or someone like that and be guaranteed starter every week getting really confident in his game and maybe yeah. that's that's something that could have helped his, his career more that's an interesting one obviously like you said hindsight is a wonderful thing um, yep. so the last one I'm going to gonna throw to you before we move on is there's been rumours about Aberdeen selling Scott McKenna uh, to Burnley. What would be your thoughts on that one? Hmm. Um, I, um, I, I'm not sure if Burnley would... I, I know that's been a prolonged and kind of uh, kind of stuck around kind of rumour. I, I, I think that McKenna's maybe done himself a little bit of damage with how his performances were kind of perceived 
by um, Everdee for Scotland. Um, I don't think that he's maybe been as bad as people might now say. I think you know the the, the perception. It's unfortunate sometimes when you have a, a bit of a poor one in a big game, you know, like like that, or not necessarily a big game, but you know, a game that more people talk about. Then that can kind of stick around. I, I think that he's been he's been fine for Aberdeen um, generally this season. <coughs> I think the issues for them are more. Um, in the way that they play, the things that they ask him to do, and as we touched on earlier, the, the kind of defensive midfield and the fullbacks. Um, but I, I, I don't know if he's really. I'm, I'm a wee bit cautious about saying that he'd be ready for English Premier League level at this point. Um, I think maybe the smarter choice for him might be to go to the Championship. I, I, I don't, I don't think that Burnley would start him. I don't think he'd be bought as a starter. I mean, you have, you know, they, they've got kind of fairly solid. Um, I know things have slipped away for them a wee bit um, this season, but they've got you know a, an approach that they stick to. Um, I think that you know Dyche has a lot of trust in his centre backs and stuff. There's you know long-standing relationships there, and they'll have in comparison to Aberdeen, in comparison to Scottish sides, a hell of a lot of money. So they would have some options in terms of buying centre backs. So I would just be a wee bit worried if I was McKenna about whether I'd actually end up being a starter for them or not, and if I was Burnley. I would be a wee bit worried about him necessarily being the the level or or needing quite a bit of development um, to partly shake out McInnes's tactics from things. Yeah, I, again, I I totally agree with that that summary of of McKenna, and it's I think you know he had that really strong season, and you know people had a picture of him. He got into the Scotland squad, and now that he's maybe not consistently performing at those levels, people seem to have written him off. Um, I think he's fine, but I don't think he's Premier League fine. Yeah, I guess that's a fair summary. Okay, so we said that we would talk about, um, you know, if we could change one thing about the way transfers are or um, something about the the window, uh, what would it be? So, Owen, talk to me about what you would like to see change in the way that transfers are in Scottish football. Okay, well, um, what I'd like is to end all loans. Um, that that's that's my real goal. I'm not mm-hmm. really a fan. I know we've spoken loads and loads about you know clubs taking advantage of the loan system and stuff, and you know we've kind of promoted that as a opportunity for the clubs. But that's because you know you, you need to talk about the reality that you kind of operate in. But in general, I'm 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 not a fan of loans. Um, I think just because mainly because it leads to big teams kind of having all the power um, and kind of hoarding things. So you can see that in, you know, just as simple as, you know, clubs recalling um, players from loans or, you know, um, and so on. Basically, my, my, my idea is that if you got rid of all loans, but you also had some other regulations in. So, for instance, you would have a, a, a limit on squad size, um, you know, even down to a youth team level. And you would have regulations that stated that if, for instance, a player didn't get a certain amount of minutes um, playing time in a season, you can break your contract and move for free. Um, Ideally, what should happen really is that as a result of that, um, in my view, players would be at the clubs that would be ideally at the level that they can get playing time, that they can develop at, and then based on their ability and their progress and so on, then they would naturally transfer um, upwards or downwards. And instead of it being a system where, you know, people are kind of in effect hoarded and, you know, like Greg Doherty or whoever end up, you know, not playing for a long time uh, in their career um, or, you know, the same, you know, as you know, happens at loads and loads of big clubs where they've got, you know, mass pool of players. And so that, that that's that's the one thing that I would really want to happen. 
um, because it really frustrates me um, when players don't get to play football. Yeah, I guess that's uh, is something that's a it's a double edged sword that can be really helpful to teams, but it can also really hinder you if you don't have a long term strategy. And as we've seen with it, obviously, uh, Luke Southwood and uh, Sarkic at Livingston and Hamilton, you know, if you have a critical player and you're starting eleven that is not yours and is uh, only their temporary, it can put you in a, a difficult spot to, to try what, and address that situation. What, what I would say to people who say that it can be beneficial is what I'm talking about is the sort of idea that if you banned a loan system but put enforce these things, then maybe Luke Southwood would be a Hamilton Aki's player, a permanent player, because people would potentially find their level in order to get minutes. And then once they'd surpassed um, what they could you know, develop or progress at Hamilton Aki's, then Aki's would sell them on to a team above them. And maybe he would end up um, eventually at, um, uh, I can't remember where he's at, is it Villa or somebody? At, at, no, I'm thinking of Sarkic. Anyway, ideally, maybe then Aki's sell him to the team that is now um, his parent club when he's able to actually play for them when he's at that level if you see what I mean you know? yeah no that makes um, sense but yeah that that anyway it's, it's a bit um pie in the sky and stuff who knows if it would happen but it just frustrates me I hate seeing players not actually getting to play you know yeah I, I totally get that I totally get that so you spoke about pie in the sky mine's is even more pie in the sky shock horror okay. <laughs> um so I would like to remove the January transfer window completely and you only have one window where you can sign players. It might seem a bit drastic, but it goes back to a little bit of the point that you made there. Um, this means that players are more likely to get game time if you are to receive an injury to a key player. Um, and that can happen to any club at any point. Um, it means that you need to really use your squad um, and you'd have to give, or you would imagine that you would have to give more minutes to players within that squad um, your youth might have a better chance of, of developing. I'd probably caveat, similar to yourself, I would like to see squad limits in place because I think it's silly when you know teams have got you know four left-backs and, and things like that. But yeah, I would like to see the removal of the January window and I guess clubs are almost a full year to, to make a plan. And also, I think it might stop some of the panic um, that sets in with whether it's a signing or whether it's a sacking of a manager. Because you have to have a bit of a, a longer term strategy because you can't make changes until one year later. So, you know, it is something that's, it'll never happen, right? They're more likely to remove the windows and just have it that you can sign players whenever you want. Um, that's more likely to happen than it to be uh, cut from the January window. Um but yeah, so what's your thoughts on that? It's a, a little bit bold for me, I guess. Uh, it's an interesting approach. Are you meaning that that would just happen in Scotland, or are you meaning that every country in the world would agree to this? Uh, yes, yeah, so that's like football-wide. <coughs> okay, well, if it was football-wide, I, I, I probably don't disagree with that. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit cautious about anything that limits people's movement. So if it was just in Scotland, I would be worried that the players couldn't you know, move when other players could and so on. But yeah, I, I like your idea that it would maybe promote um, a bit more strategy, a bit more forward and kind of long-term planning um, and a, a little less um, kind of, you know, January madness. Would you not miss all the, the transfer rumours and speculation and stuff? I would, but I'm doing it for the greater good of football. I'm I'm sacrificing my love um, for football. Um, like the other thing that popped up to me when I was kind of thinking about these things is that there is a bit of a perceived wisdom um, that, 
January transfers are kind of risky and bad and stuff. You know, people you know seem to think that you can't get good value or it's only you know kind of crappy players that are available and stuff. Um, and I think that um, there are some examples of that absolutely, but I think it's not any different to any other time. Um, there is value there, um, and if there's value, you should go and get it. As an example, um, Van Dyke moved, Laporte moved, Patrice Evra, Nemanja Vidic, Luis Suarez. Abamyang, Riyad Mahrez, these were all January transfers. Um, so it just it kind of frustrates me a little bit when I see people saying that um, you know January is a bad time to buy players. Um, there's there's bad transfers happen all the time. Absolutely, <laughs> but, yeah, that's a very good point. I think um, the other thing with with transfers, I think if you've got a strategy and you've been following a player for a while or a group of players or a player type, um, and then you sign that player in that window, that that's more likely to, you know, that's a good thing to do. And if that player's available in January, why wouldn't you do that? So, yeah, like Minamino uh, at Liverpool, maybe you get a exactly. sense that that one's kind of plotted out and then they've gone in and surprised everybody. And that's the sort of edge that can maybe just push your season a little bit further. Exactly. That's exactly, that's a that's a great example. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, that's, the, you know, a player that they've clearly been tracking. They know he fits their style. And um, yeah, he can be something that can, you know, if, Salah or Manny need a break, you can bring in a player that does some exactly. similar things. So, so yeah, um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on how ridiculous it would be to ban loans or to remove windows. Um, yeah, so if you like if you like the sound of that or if you don't like us, then hit us up on Twitter. Um, you'll get us in the usual places and we'll come back to that in the end. But to finish off the podcast today, we said we would speak uh, a bit about the Scottish Cup as we head into the fourth round this weekend. Um, and there's just a few games that we thought we would touch upon on. Um, but before we get into that, how do you feel about it being Scottish Cup first before a league game from the break? Does it matter? Um, yeah, I don't mind that. It's a wee kind of soft launch, I guess, back into things. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we've all kind of been watching some lower league teams um, over this kind of period. So it's nice to get, you know, the lower league teams and the, the premiership teams together. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested. Uh, yeah, I quite like it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I'm gonna. We said we'd speak about some games specifically. So the first game that we we said we would speak about is Dundee United, high flying Dundee United take mm. on Hibs. What's your thoughts on this one, Owen? I think this could be really good. Um, so this is on TV on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. I think actually three PM on uh, BBC One Scotland. Um, so yeah, Dundee United. Obviously, you've you've spoken about how they're high flying, well, seventeen points clear at the top of the championship, forty eight goals in twenty one league games. Um, they last lost a game on the nineteenth of October, at Queen of the South. So they're going really well. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I guess the 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 kind of question for teams maybe at this level in the the cup and so on is. Um, how seriously are you going to take it? Do you play some youth? Do you play your usual setup and so on? I guess you would maybe say for Dundee United, um, you know, being so clear that they, they can really make a run at this. Um, I think it would be lovely to see um, some teams, you know, out with the kind of usual ones go quite deep in the competition. You know, Celtic have obviously run the last three Scottish Cups, but before that point, and, um, you know, for the kind of previous 10 years, it was quite open. Um, so, yeah, um, this this will be an interesting clash. I think Hibs have had uh, inconsistency, I would say, um, maybe since Jack Ross took over. Um, in December, they didn't manage to get back-to-back points. Um, so, you know, they didn't win a, win a game and then draw a game or, or get two draws in a, a row or whatever. In saying that, they did play, you know, Rangers and Celtic, um, so there was some difficult ties in there. Um, 
but I, I do overall think they were a wee bit inconsistent. This is maybe an opportunity for them um, to kind of um, inject a little bit of you know enthusiasm and life back into their season after you know a particularly difficult start under Heckenbottom um, for Ross also to kind of you know set a stall out and, and show what he's capable of. Um, I think that in the league. Although I said earlier that I feel it's kind of divided, you know, the top two, then third and fourth, and then um, a massive eight teams. Hibs are at the upper edge of that. They're they're sixth. Um, you know, they're they're on the same amount of points as Livy in fifth, so relatively secure. What I would say though is that, um, and again, touch on the fact that they did have Celtic and Rangers as part of those games, but in December, um, they only managed to average nine shots per match. Um, which is is pretty low. Um, they only made zero point eight four non penalty xG per game, um, and they conceded an average of fifteen shots per game um, through that period, and conceded uh, one point five six non penalty xG per game. So that that's pretty bad. Um, so I'm just wondering whether you know, obviously they, they beat Hearts, which was you know a great result for them, but they also lost to Livia away. Um, you know they they lost to Ross County earlier on. Um, I, I'm I'm interested to see. I think there could potentially be. I, I don't know if you'd even call it an upset in this, but I'm saying a two-one win for Dundee United. I think in this game. I love it. I love it. I was going to say that this is a opportunity for Dundee United to potentially set a marker. I think they'll see themselves as someone who could immediately challenge for top six, if not better. Um, when they get promoted, they look like they've got a bit of backing from their owner. Um. There's a few other just little uh, things in this game. Uh, Scott Allen, obviously being a former Dundee United player, mm. uh, now playing for Hibs. And then there's Robbie Nielsen, who, the Dundee United manager, who's a former Hearts manager. So there, I think there might be a little bit of bite in this game, um, which should make it quite interesting. And, and I'm actually the same as you. I fancy Dundee United to, to take this one. Um, I think Hibs could be in for a little bit of a shock. Um, so we're staying in Dundee. Uh, and we're yep. going to the other side of Dundee as Dundee take on Motherwell. What's your mm. thoughts into this game on? Uh, another pretty exciting one and again televised match so this is on Saturday uh, Saturday night 7.20 on BBC Scotland um, so yeah Dundee what fourth in the championship but just 29 points from 20 games so they're they're in the playoff place but they're only seven points above the relegation playoff place and there's four teams that are just four points behind them. Um, scored 26 goals, let in 28. Um, I think that, again, maybe a lot of inconsistency with Dundee. So their, their most recent game, the one against Ayr, was postponed. But before that, look, they, they lost to Inverness. Then they had a draw at Dundee United. They won um, at Thistle, um, won in you know, at home to Dunfermline, but overall just, just a bit inconsistent. Not really sure if McPake has got um the kind of ideal setup really figured out still there. Um and as far as Motherwell, well um Motherwell what third in the league, um they're kind of in that battle I mentioned with Aberdeen for third spot. Um they do have um in in my view a little bit of a difficult run um after this cup match. So this cup match is on Saturday but then on um Wednesday, uh, the 22nd of January, they play Aberdeen, you know, their kind of rival for that third spot in their first league game back. And then they play the kind of two teams below them, Hibs and Livy, and then they have Celtic. So that's a tough run of games. Um, and they've kind of had, um, uh, again, sort of mixed results recently. They lost to Hamilton, you know, in the Lanarkshire Derby in the most recent game. But before that, they beat Ross County, they beat Kelly. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm I'm not too sure that they three of the kind of opposing teams during that period got a red card, 
Um, and I think, again, maybe been a little bit inconsistent. You know, they've lost Devante Cole now. Um, and we, we've spoken before about how susceptible they are to counter-attack. So it'll be interesting to see if Dundee can kind of take advantage of that. Um, I think that, um, again, it'll be interesting to see what kind of team Motherwell send out, whether they introduce some young players, um, you know, whether they stick with a kind of fairly recognised starting lineup. That will play into things quite a lot for me. But I'm going to say, um, regardless of what lineups are, Motherwell win, and I'd say 3-1. Yeah, I think that your uh, analysis of this is pretty accurate. I think... Dundee might actually be changing their manager pretty soon, I feel. Uh, they've they've been backed quite a lot, James McPake, uh, and they've not really delivered, so I think that a convincing... Like Gordon Strachan is going to be the one to yep, step in I, in his place? Or... I, I think so. I think mm. it's going to happen, uh, okay. which could be interesting. Yep. Um, it would certainly give them a lift, um, and by all accounts, he has a good manager, but I, I don't know. But yeah, I think McPake's definitely in a lot of trouble. Um, so there is some some really exciting fixtures in this game. Just thought we'll quickly uh, give a quick overview of um, East Kilbride versus BSC Glasgow in a Lola League game, which I think is great that those two teams are almost guaranteed, well, one of them is guaranteed to be in the fifth round and, and they hopefully get a, a good tie. You've got Bonnie Rig Rose taking on Clyde, um, potential for an upset there. Uh, St Mirren taking on Broxburn, that will be should be a a pretty good payday for for these clubs as well. So it's it's good that the the cups got these things together. Um, so two potential games I I thought for upsets. So the first one I'd like to get your take on Owen is uh, Edinburgh City versus Hamilton Academicals. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right to point this one out as a potential upset. Um, look, so Edinburgh City what second in League Two, just two points behind Cove Rangers. Um, they um, have a, a vastly inferior goal difference to Cove, um, but they are pretty settled in second point place. They're 12 points ahead of Cowan Beathen, who are in third. Um, I, I think that um, this this will be an interesting one. I think Edinburgh City would kind of fancy this as, as one that they can maybe lay some gloves on Hamilton. It'll be interesting, again, to see what sort of lineup Hamilton put out. You know, they're... Um, potentially, you know, in a relegation battle. So, will they think that they need to kind of keep players back for their their league games? They've got Hibs on Wednesday, the twenty second of January. Then they've got Livingston and they've got Celtic. That's a difficult run. Um, they might not have Luke Southwood as we pointed to. So, who do they have in goals? Um, beyond just their issues and goals as well. Um, so they're eleventh in the league. They've only scored. 16 non-penalty goals in the league and in fact in terms of XG they've only got 12.66 uh, non-penalty XG that's that's a ridiculously amount uh, low amount of um you know uh, chances to have created an effect um as a you know kind of contrast they've they've conceded 33 goals in the league and their their non-penalty goals and their expected goals against for non-penalty goals is is 30 so um yeah, I think at both kind of ends of the pitch, um, Hamilton are not great. Um, I don't know, tough ask for a part-time team like Edinburgh, despite that, to kind of go up against Hamilton. But if there is one that could result in an upset, um, it could be there. So I will say that it will happen. I'm going to say Love it. Um, that this will be a dull, uh, ground-out 1-0 victory for Edinburgh City. Yeah, I, I think that... <sighs> Hamilton could be in a lot of bother in this game. I think that this could really put Brian Rice under a bit of pressure if they get put out in this game. Not that I think they'll 
have any sort of expectations to do well in the Scottish Cup. But this is a game where um, you know they could get that tie with Rangers or Celtic and sell out. You know half their stadium, etc. Or you know uh, there's just to me, I just think Brian Rice is someone that's I've not really been uh, enamoured by. I don't really see what he does or what he's trying to do with Hamilton. So yeah, I think that uh, Edinburgh City, if they come. You know, and show what they're capable of. They could, they could potentially uh, nick this game. Um, so the final game that I want to get your quick take on, and I'm putting you on the spot with this one. Um, but what about Queens Park versus Kilmarnock? Considering we watched Queens Park recently, um, and obviously there's a lot of trouble at Kilmarnock. Could you see there being a potential upset there? Um, I think that's an interesting one. Um, I am going to say no. I think that um, Ray McKinnon got the first. Uh, two victories in a row for a Queen's Park manager in, in some some length of time. But I think we did watch um see sorry some some issues uh with the way they were playing and, and they were quite lucky um in some aspects of the game against uh, was it Stenhouse Muir. Um so as much as I do think that Kilmarnock you know clearly haven't been impressing lately, I guess this is an opportunity for some of the people that have come back to Kilmarnock on loan and also for them having to, you know, to ha- kind of show that they've hit the reset button um, after things. They've, they've had their kind of winter break. You'd assume they've done some good training and so on. Um, uh, so I, I think for them, rested against an amateur team, um, I, I don't think there's going to be an upset there. I, I fancy Kilmarnock to be um, quite conclusively the victor in that game. Maybe not, you know, of course, managing to score many goals, as that's not the Kilmarnock <laughs> way, but uh, let's say 2-0. What a crappy slogan that is. We won't score that many goals the Kilmarnock way. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I guess I agree with that one as well, but uh, it just feels like uh, the, the games that are there, that's got a potential to be sure thing. an upset. Uh, and the only other one I can maybe see an upset in is Air United versus Ross County, just with how weak Ross County can be at the back. But yeah, uh, lots of games to look forward to. Um, as ever, uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please like, share, review, comment. Uh, all those good things really help us grow the podcast. Uh, Owen, can you just let the listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, mainly at, at Owen James Brown. Brilliant. And you can find me at Pure Football. It's been a pleasure. Be back soon. Bye-bye.